I, you think, I bet this sounds just like it does in our studio. I bet no one will be able to tell. It's weird recording without having the headphones to hear myself. Yeah. When we first started recording, it was weird to hear myself talk. And now I'm... Anytime we do this kind of setup, it's it's weird. Uh, you learn how to use it. All right, so let's let's break the fourth wall here, John, and talk about the fact that we, we are recording uh, on location. No, we're getting back to our roots, where <laughs> we just have have a beer and a casual conversation. That's, that's the podcast. True. We, we are, well, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I don't know that we got too far away from our roots, but we are um, <laughs> we are at a local bar, a local establishment. It's not a bar. So we don't have any. It's, it's a growler. It's a bar. They call it a bar. It's I mean, the growler. owners call it a bar. It's a growler bar. Cork and Growler in the uh, Frisco. No, this is actually this is technically Little Elm. We're in oh. Little Elm, but they call it Frisco because people would rather call it Frisco than Little Elm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, the no monitoring is is weird. So I have no like I don't know if I'm talking too loud into this mic or if my peas are popping. I have no idea. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> they are, but. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. You do you do learn how to use the the monitoring to uh, improve your technique. Yeah, which we don't have. Well, at least so, you got a mic stand. I'm having I'm having to hold mine. Yeah, so. we're, we're rocking the. Yeah, I do have a mic stand, so that's huge. Because I'm looking at you holding this mic, and that looks like it sucks. I mean, I've done that before. I'll, I'll get used to it. It's, yeah. it's awkward after I get maybe about to hear on my beer. I won't even care. I know you're right now. I'm just awkward because I'm out in the middle of everything and <laughs> holding this mic to me. Anyway, this is this is gonna be interesting because like people I know are gonna be walking in the door here. <laughs> We're sitting kind of at the front of this place because there's this partition and the front is is separated off from the rest of it. So, yeah. So we're trying to minimize the noise. Yeah. You didn't recognize yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, here they come. You're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have this little zoom, this zoom recorder is what we're using. I I don't know. I think eventually we should get one of those little. Um, the super portable mixers that just have like two, two or two or four mic inputs or whatever. And they have like, that. It's the like, Scarlet. <laughs> is that two mic inputs? Yeah. But no, no, no. But there's no mixing. I mean, I'm sorry. I meant like a little mixer. Oh, okay. Um, anyway. Well, John, how's the new job? Get your timesheets in. <laughs> yeah, I got my timesheets in. <laughs> oh man. That's the worst. It, that's the worst part about being a consultant. Everyone, your, your salary. Yet you, you have to act like you're hourly. Your salary, but you still have to log your time as if you're hourly. Everyone who hates their timesheets, take a drink right now. You deserve it. Oh, well, I'm doing that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I got a dirty glass. No, you didn't. That's lipstick. Oh, my God. Is it? Is it really? I'm, I'm kissing a stranger right now. Should we pause? Yeah, let's pause and get okay. me another glass. Pause. Let's see if this works. Okay, we're back. And... John has a clean glass now. Yeah. What are you drinking there, John? I forgot. There's a milk stout. It's um, from Three Nations. Three Nations. Here in, uh, somewhere here in, in Dallas. It's in Horchata. Is it Horchata or Orchata? You know more Spanish than I do. Uh, that's probably true. Do you know what that is? <laughs> no. It's like a crushed up almond product. It's some kind of, I don't know if it's like Mexican or Latin, otherwise Latin, but it's a kind of like a sweet, milky... It's actually a delicious product. So more but like they, a Spanish they, type they, thing? Or? Yeah, I think so. But they use it. At, I mean, you can. people are using it in beer now to make like these kind of nutty, sweet milk stouts. Anyway. Well, it's, it's definitely that. It's definitely nutty, yeah. coffee, chocolate, all the kind of good stuff you'd expect from yeah. a good stout. I'm drinking a Salty Lady, which... Which I like. I've had that before. Yeah. You like a Salty Lady? I do like a Salty Lady. That explains a few things. <laughs> but you said I wouldn't like it, so why do you think I wouldn't like it? I, I don't know. I said or, you wouldn't like what? This? That I wouldn't want it. Oh, no, it's because you've had it. Maybe, I don't know. It's yeah. nothing new. There's other stuff here. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So uh, how's the new job, John? It's good. Um, I, th I think the, probably the most interesting part is just working with different people who do things differently. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of the same type of work. Right. I'm working with different products, yeah. which is also good. Um, so what right now... Different products. What does that mean? So... So I'm working with a lot of field service lightning right now. Really? Um, okay. I will be getting into CPQ. Now, is this, uh, what, give me the hint of this, or like an idea of the size of the company. Like how many consultants or employees or whatever that you guys have? Oh, I don't even know if I have a good handle on that. They're a platinum partner, though. Platinum, okay. Um, and they've got, they've got a ton of people, and they're all broken out regionally, and they've expanded internationally, so it's a pretty big team. Okay. So. Yeah. And are you in any certain department, or are you just like across all these things, just like wherever anyone needs you, you go? 
It's kind of still in flux. I mean, right now they have it segmented out into regions, and that's primarily what where I service. But there's no rules. If if I'm needed somewhere and I have expertise somewhere, I'll be on the project. So. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you'll have to like I don't know, keep us updated on any interesting things you guys are doing or stuff you're learning. What do you think of Field Service Lightning so far? It's got a huge data model. I mean, I don't, I don't blame the data model that it's like it has. Eight million custom objects. Well, no. Well, Field Service is one is one of the few. Uh, it's not. I guess it's not even a vertical. Is this the one that Salesforce built, or they? Yeah, they it's the one they it, right? built. So it's not really servicing it a native? vertical. It's is, native. So there are eight million custom objects that get mixed into your org, right? They're not custom though. They're native objects. So what do they show up then? They show up in your. They show up as objects, so but they don't you, have the underscore C okay. nomenclature. They're true native objects. They still show up though. Huh? Yeah. So if you do a global describe or whatever, you're getting you're getting all those. Yeah. How, how many? Any idea how many? Like if you had to take a guess. Hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to account for. There's a lot of different levels and tiers and territories this is, and. This is just one aspect of the happy soup. Everyone's. I yeah. mean, imagine just like you know, ten different enterprise applications, and everyone. Like, now, and if you've ever gotten a peek under the hood, like at the, in the, at the database structure of one enterprise application, you will see that it has hundreds, if not thousands, of, data, of database tables. Yeah. And now we're talking about combining many of these applications all together, and it's all in one database, basically. Yeah, it's funny because I ha I had a thought when I started looking at the field service, field service, field service. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we call it FSL. I've been trying not to call it FSL because I hate acronyms, but it's easier. I'm lazy. So FSL. Fossil. It's a fossil. <laughs> it made me realize, so one of my big complaints about some of these, uh, so like the financial service cloud and the health cloud, one of my complaints was that it was a managed package. But now I kind of see the need for the managed package because having seen the, the FSL data model, that's a lot. When you have, to, if it's not managed, then the installing org can muck with your stuff, right? And you well, have to be, no, well, some of that needs to be, a lot of that, most of it needs to be mute, uh, immutable so that people can't just go and like change your classes or Well, whatever. you still can't with, with field service. Field service is basically a license. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. It's not a managed package, it's right? Not, because it's native. Right, because it's oh, native. They made it native. They turned it into native, right? Because they're Salesforce. <laughs> either, either way. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it's native. Yeah. Um, but one of my complaints and one of my wants has always been, okay, I wish Financial Service Cloud was was native. It was a license type. Well, it, it is a license, but it, it was native. I wish it was because I didn't like all the managed package stuff that we had to deal with. Uh, and also, because because it's a package, it kind of participates in our transactions. Even though it doesn't count against our limits, it does participate in the transactions. So, performance of things and all that kind of get affected. Order of operations is affected. Um, so, I've always thought that I wanted that to be native. But I haven't seen the data model for everything else for health cloud, for financial service cloud, and now for FSL. I don't know that I subscribe to that anymore. I mean that. That would be a huge amount of bloat, and probably already is in Salesforce, to have those objects natively. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. So. I mean, at least at least a managed package gets you some kind of separation. I mean, not that much, though. That's the thing. It still is dumped into your... All their Apex classes get dumped in with yours. All their objects get dumped in with yours. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's native or managed package or non-managed package. It still gets all dumped into the same place. Yeah, I guess. I guess maybe it's the same difference. I mean, when it, it comes just, to like, if you're having to page through a list of classes to get to some class you're looking for, I mean, if there's, you know, 8,700 classes, I'm not making that number up. Then, it, that, yeah, it makes things suck. It's hard to manage things. I, I guess what I'm saying is, when it's native, or 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 heaven forbid that, uh, um, what do you call them? Um, change set interface. <laughs> that's like that's stuff of of nightmares. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is is as as they tackle. In vertical industries, I can see wanting that to be a package, something that's managed separately outside of the kind of the main Salesforce application purview of things that that internal team has to manage. I can see the attractiveness of making that something outside, not something that's fully managed inside. Yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I could see the value in that, especially given given the 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 very opinionated versions you can have of these industries. You know, they have a very certain data model, and that data model, for the most part, has been built to service one of the top, maybe back-end systems, so like Epic for healthcare and 
all these financial service integrators or aggregators that, that participate in the financial service cloud. And so it's not like the data model was built to service, this is the best data model for a financial service cloud. It's this is the best data model to be able to integrate with these other systems that has the data that we need to put in so that you can do all your marketing stuff. I mean, that's, it's just trade-offs, right? I mean, right. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm interested to hear more about FSL as you learn more about it. Well, I did, I did learn, well, not what's, learn something, but I came across some weird issue. Okay. And it was with, um, so the team I'm working with, they had done a bunch of automation and they were using flows for a lot of it. But then they got to a point where because of the hierarchy of the data model, how things are kind of organized, flows just couldn't, couldn't effectively reach down deep enough into the, into the architecture to be able to do certain automation things. So I had to come in and write some code for it. One of the things I replaced was they had was a- this your code? It's my code. It's my code now. Okay, just making sure. It's mine now. Peed all over it. Yeah. Mark my territory. <laughs> do you like? Uh, do you do you name all your classes to start with like with like John's? Oh, John's oh, can, can I can I go on a tangent? John's factory. I, I have to, I had to build, or I'm still building this component, and this component is is uh, like so for the current user, it's it's registered events that they're registered for, and it's based on there. And I wanted so bad to call the component my. My event waiting list is what I wanted to call it because it was basically I need a component to be able to compile all the things they've registered for but haven't been assigned to in terms of events or approved to attend the event. But I could not bring myself to call it my. I could not use the word my. So I, I because that means up, something very special to you. <laughs> well, not only that, but when you when you look at all the examples, like honestly, this is the weirdest thing for me to worry about, but when you look at examples like on Trailhead and stuff, it's like, oh, create a class, and, and here's an example of a class, and it's my class or my object. So it's, it's, it's synonymous with hello world. It's, it's like me trying to call a component hello world event or something. And so I just could not bring myself. It very professional, does it? It, it didn't. It, it felt like I was maybe, I felt like someone was going to accuse me of copying and pasting some component yeah. I found online that was like my this. Yeah. And I just carried it forward. I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I actually opened up a text editor and wrote down like a list of like ten different names to try to figure out what I was going to call this. I, I hate that I can't refactor it because I when I can't refactor, uh, I get such name anxiety. Yeah, you can't rename anything. I know. Yeah. So, anyways, that that's a little bit. What did you call it? Name anxiety. Name anxiety. Oh, that's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Hey, we have to be responsible for titles. Speaking of that, but I'm I'm marking that one down. Where's Brett? Well, we're not live. Notice John. I said it right. You did, even though you're not, we're not live, so he doesn't get to bask in the live correct pronunciation of his name. I know. Uh, so what was I talking about before I went on that tangent? Um, oh, so Flow was able to, so there's an object called a skill in Field Service Lightning, and it's, it's just this, it's kind of treated like a metadata object where you kind of define it, but you can't create it anywhere else so but like, through the admin so UI. What, what, would an example of a skill be, I can replace blades in the Cisco router machine? Like they, like they showed us at Dreamforce a few years ago? Yeah, I think that's the purpose of it, <laughs> that you have this skill and, and you're associated with that skill so that whenever you do resource assignment, you can say, I need someone with these with this skill. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the way they were no, using... No, maybe I can, I can restock the, the Einstein Coke machine with new Cokes. Is that a skill? That's a skill. <laughs> it's in the field. Yeah. It's field service. You're servicing the... You might not be certified to work on that vending machine that does like all the multiple flavors. Maybe you can only stock the uh, the Seven Eleven fridge. Yeah, no. That's the only thing you're certified right, yeah, for. Yeah. Okay. So I get it. I'm yeah. understanding now. Um, so, anyways, they had this automation in a flow that was creating the skill, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just replace that because it'll make things much more performant, and we'll have a better tracking of everything that's going on logic-wise. And there was a bunch of other dependent things that I needed to replace it for, so that I could make sure everything was in the same transaction. And lo and behold couldn't create the skill. Go to the documentation, it says it has, it can, you can do a create on it. Couldn't do a create on it. What kind of error were you getting? DML not allowed. Not allowed. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, okay, well maybe, maybe there's some weird thing. Maybe it's getting confused with another object or something. So I turned it into an S object and do an insert on the S object version of it. Nope, still failed. So it caught it instead of failed. So it's kind of stuck. Yeah, okay. So what I ended up doing, is I ended up making a rest call to insert the skill record. Because it does, you can create the skill through the API. So the only two methods for being able to create a skill is through the admin tools, classic admin tools, it's not supported in Lightning yet, and through the API. So I ended up Wait essentially a making a not call to the in API. Lightning. 
Nope. This is field service lightning. <laughs> That's true. Oh That's true. It's such a weird name, field service lightning. Uh, because that was oh, the, and by the way, li- lightning is is I guess it still is, but certainly for the time there, that was the virtue signaling of the time. That's how you virtue signaled how woke you were to the Benioff, you to know, lightning? To, to being on brand with Benioff's lightning ready. Points. Yeah, yeah. Call it everything something lightning. I'm sure, like uh, what was who who were the, the the hot apps like the who was that that app maker they just always would trot out on stage the woman uh, CEO. Um, they did ta- the task, the project management app or whatever. The project management. I feel like they were, I don't know. It's like one of those things like they, you just rename all your apps of something lightning or lightning something. Or you could be like, a, was it Steelbrick? They were lightning before lightning was lightning. They built, they built their technology on lightning before lightning was announced. Yeah. It did, Salesforce bought them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was the CPQ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was he <laughs> gave that reason on yeah, one of the investor is. calls was they're already running. They were built on Lightning. That's why we bought yeah, them. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I got to love that stuff. Yeah, I know. That's why we're not rich, Jeremy, because we can't, we can't uh, stretch I, the truth. I can't. I just can't deal with it. If I we mean, could I, just find a way yeah. to stretch the truth and be okay with no. it, we would be worth $5 billion I right just, now. My, my ethics kick in, and I, can't, I cannot deal with the bullshit. <laughs> Uh, well, John, um, I got some news. Um, so I- Ionic 4 is out. And I'm kind of, I've been away from the Ionic scene for a, probably a year or two now, but I did do a couple of, um, back in the day, either Ionic 1 or 2, a couple of decent uh, mobile apps. But a lot has changed in the Ionic world. One of, one of the things that's not necessarily new, but I think this changed kind of in the two or three time frame, was that they tried to expand beyond, like, this is not just like a mobile phone. It's not just a phone framework. Like, don't, you know, they wanted to they expand out to, like, progressive web apps and just web apps in general, and right? But the big thing with 4 is that it's almost been rewritten from the ground up um, using web component technology. Oh, nice. So, as before, Ionic was a kind of a full stack. Well, no, take, 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 take that back. It was built on Angular. It's always been coupled to Angular. And so between Ionic and Angular, that's like that's the entire stack pretty much for the most part. The entire bloated stack. Yeah. Ionic 4 is it's all web components. And while I still think they are more native with Angular, um, they've got bindings to React and Vue. Now I think those are still like kind of in a beta state, but that they're they've kind of changed. And so Ionic nowadays is more of a um, it's a way to build like mobile apps, and it's it's almost a way to build a design system, really. Okay. It's almost like a design system, and then whether or not you use Vue or React or whatever is, is up to you. It'll it'll glue it it'll glue onto either of the, any of those. Um, but they've done so it'll, it'll do all the kind of work to to decide whether or not it's something that needs to be sh- shivved. <laughs> I guess I mean, versus you know calling to native APIs or something. Or? I'm not sure, and I don't I don't know how much like. Has or is to it still trying to trying to target running basically the application in a browser? Oh, it's all browser. It's okay. all browser because it's web components. So it's not trying to it's not trying to take your code and compile it down to something native and then run that. It does that too. Okay, but it's within a it's it's the, it's the kind of like the Cordova model where. Yeah, I mean, yes, they've got the tools to build like APKs and I- IPAs and all that stuff. I love IPAs, um, <laughs> but it still is running in when it launched it on the mobile phone. It's it's running in like a what do you call it, a web view or whatever, right? And so it's it's still web technologies. But they the big the big their their focus though was on the fact that like it's a way to build like again it's like um, a design system more it's like a theming like you have a theming API and they use um CSS what are they called they used to be called CSS variables but now I think they're called custom properties and it's kind of like you remember like did you ever have you used like SAS or less these yeah. things where you can okay so you can define like a variables like no what is you, this thing called SAS CSS and less uh, yeah <laughs> it's like with SAS you could you could say like um, you know brand red and you could define what you know RGB value that was right. and then all over your code you could use brand red and then when you go when the SAS gets compiled it replaces all those variable references with the it does like inlines like the actual thing right um, which is fine except at runtime like you can't you can't really change that whereas with CSS properties first of all they're like there's a 
I guess uh, the, the you know the JavaScript API, like you could change at runtime, you could change like what brand red means, and wherever that's used, it's it's immediate, right? right. Whereas with, if, with a SAS compile thing, you can't do that because it with, when you compile SAS, it literally just goes replaces everywhere that you reference that variable with with the literal value. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's a compile yeah. time replacement right. with the with the literal. So. Anyway, so yeah, it's, it uses CSS properties, and they've got some theming API. Um, and they're also like they talk about it. Really went to it sounds like it went to they went to great lengths to just improve performance a ton. It's like you know their bundle size and like you know what do the people measure like time to first meaningful paint or whatever all these things. You're like they're and, and also like you know Google defines all these um, performance metrics mm -hmm. that number one they like they just like hey this is a way to build good apps. They have good experience, but also we're going to judge you. I guess Google, you know, when they their crawler goes out, it actually is like running your site or your app, and it's it's detecting like how fast or slow things are to load and or time to paint and all that crap. Right. And yeah. so they're you know they, they, they've optimized it for all that kind of stuff. So um, it looks really interesting. It, it actually kind of gives me a renewed interest in Ionic. Now you just need a good project for it, right? I um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely keep it in mind for like what you know my next greenfield project, but. So Those do you are, think you're, you know, Greenfield hard products are hard to come by, though. They, they are. <laughs> so do you think you're still, you still like the idea of these type of frameworks versus going just pure native? I mean, I guess because I mean the thing that, again, this is based on my understanding. I haven't actually even looked into Ionic Four yet. Just read their press release, basically. But um, it's like you basically get like I don't know, forty or fifty or hundred com pre-built components. So things like calendars and. You know, nice drop downs or whatever, all these different things, and like you don't, you definitely don't want to go rebuilding all that crap yourself. Yeah. So, um, so from that perspective, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all on board. I, I don't. No client, none, none of my clients are going to pay me to to do super low level like custom component stuff. You know, they want apps. They want. They want fully custom experiences, yeah. small to batch, wow their users. Small batch artisanal components, but, but they don't want they don't <laughs> yeah. want to pay for it. No. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, that's the way of the world. I mean, you want to get the most for your money, do the best you can within a budget, but yeah. Yes, that's exciting. I like that. I don't know. I, I, I really want to, to be able to do some, some mobile stuff, but the most I get these days is making sure the stuff I build is responsive. A component for a community or something, make well, sure it's responsive. That's a, but that's a good amount of work. I mean, uh, in, in my circles, there's there's no one asking me to build a custom mobile application, so it's not something I get to to really focus on or entertain. It, it does annoy me that when you know you look at be looking at requirements, or maybe it's a, even on RFP or something. It's like there's basically just like one thing, like one little bullet, like towards about like mobile responsive or some some bullshit like that. And it's like, <laughs> first of all, they, I don't even think the people that write these things know what that even means. And because it was one itty bitty little bolt, like they don't understand that. Like that's like you just with that one little bolt, you just. And I'm not saying this is a bad a bad thing. And some people think this is the way that you should build default anyway. And I'm 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 don't really disagree with that. Actually, I try yeah. to I try to make sure that I kind of try to do the mobile first thing actually. Where by default it's gonna mobile fine on it's gonna render fine on mobile or it's yeah. gonna mobile fine on render whatever right. Uh, <laughs> and then if you have a bigger screen, that things kind of expand out in a, in a smart way. Yeah, but. Yeah, people, you know, they'll put this little bullet on there because um, that's what they read in, you know, the latest edition of Smashing Magazine. But, but they like, <laughs> you know, they like literally just doubled like their probably their budget and the testing, the testing time and the, the number of devices you need to test on all that kind of stuff. It's, I don't, it, it is one of those things with the bill of materials that can be endless. It's just it, there, there's a lot of requirements like that with clients where they just they, they toss in that that word mobile or yeah. something mobile support or what is, and it was what, what what do you mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because um, any website is on a modern phone is mobile. I mean, I had to pinch and zoom and scroll around a bunch, but it's no, it supports yeah. mobile just fine. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's just a, it's but super lazy, is what it is. In, in terms of mobile responsiveness, I, I don't even think that's the true answer. I, I mean, I think it's a way to get there, a low cost way to get there, but. A lot of times, a mobile experience is completely different from a desktop experience, and you really need to organize and categorize data differently for mobile than you do for a desktop. And so mobile responsive can get you there, but in terms of just data collection, speed, performance, and all those kind of things, it, it's a it's an art. Yeah, it is. Well, because it's a, as we talked about earlier, it's a, it's a trade off, it's a compromise. If you want one application that is that works on 
like a disparate devices and sizes, then it's going to be a compromise. You're trading off. Yeah, not not yeah. not, not only are we dealing with different systems and OSs, we're dealing with different form factors and the main device thing is the sizes. Form factor, yeah, yeah. And, and how you interact with them. And some things are small screens that you use your fingertips to use. Right. And other things are huge screens with you know separate pointing devices and big keyboards and detached keyboards and all. You know, it's like. Yeah, I mean, that was one thing I learned a long time ago, long, long time ago. Remember when we worked at the factory? So one of the systems I built, um, it was an inventory whip tracking system, and we got a bunch of tablets. I think these were Microsoft tablets. So you guys made time. whips in this factory? You were tracking the whips? We were tracking the whips. Yeah. Cracking the whips while tracking the whips. Yeah. You could use your own inventory to, yeah. it's like a, it's like an inception. You use your own inventory <laughs> to continue to make more inventory. Right. So, so way before iPads, you know, Microsoft had these tablets that they were trying to push, and they were pretty thick little beasts. They were essentially Windows computers with a touch screen on them, and they kind of sucked. Um, but I did, I did modify my interfaces to support it because the idea was that they would have a, a quality inspector basically walk around with a tablet, scan a machine, and it would register on the system and give them a list of things to inspect and, and be able to log what they inspected. So I had to go through and change, basically create a whole new interface for that system just to have big enough buttons for them to click or, or big enough interfaces for them to just actually see and do what they needed to do. And that was way back when, when it wasn't really performant and there wasn't a lot of help. I, I just had to, I had to just kind of do a on the, on the fly switch on it. It was a different application. I, th I think I compiled a different application for it is what I did. For, I saw I missed it, for what? For different device sizes? For the tablet that I built it for, you so I did. Ta there were tablets back then. Yeah. What? Yeah. No, there weren't. Yes, there were. What kind of tablets? They were Microsoft tablets. Oh, that was. They that. were like super thick little. Oh, I remember those. Like, yeah. Who made those? Panasonic made made some. Um, I think HP made. Yeah. HP made those. Yeah, those were. They ran basically full Windows. No, it was, but it was a it was tablet edition. It was Windows tablet edition. Oh, there was, was Windows. There was such a thing. No, it's called yeah. tablet edition. I know, but it was just Windows. Yeah. It ran all uh, my stuff. Yeah. It was a. Half-hearted attempt to make a tablet OS. That was that was the Balmer days. I mean, it it ran. So at the time, was I building straight out? V, that was still VB. That wasn't even .NET. Yeah, that was VB. So that wasn't even .NET or C Sharp. That was full VB, and I had hooks into the Win32 API system, so all of, of that course, was still yeah. in there. Because yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. I mean, at least you had that escape hatch, right? That's what it was for. I was just trying to prove that I was a developer. So you're doing things the hard way? <laughs> well, anybody who says you're a VB developer, they treat you like you're an Apex developer. I like, oh, that. you're not a real developer. Oh, you're a, oh, you're a Salesforce developer. <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. So I was like, screw you. I'm going to use VB to connect to the Win32 API. Yeah. Screw, screw the fact that the data types don't match up. A long does not match up with a long in VB. And you, you crashed your app plenty of times. Yeah. But... Um, VB developers calling into C APIs. What could possibly go wrong? A lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I learned. Yeah. Well, John, are you going to switch over to this? What's the new Microsoft browser called? I forget now. Oh, the, I forgot. The thing that is going to supersede Edge? I'm going to give it a shot, sure. Anyway, um, is it Edge or is it this new browser that... No, they, Edge is the current browser. Okay. It's going to be a new browser. But I forgot what the, it's called. You see that Microsoft has added a fake news filter into the browser? No, but I, I told you... <laughs> When we talked about this before, I said the reason they're doing it is so they can focus on features, and it's going to be features like that. Like the Safari has their reader feature, and and doesn't all those everything kind of have things. that though? I don't know. Maybe they don't. I feel like everything has a reader. Safari is the only one I know that has a really? reader feature. Now Chrome yeah. might might have one as a plugin. Right. Oh, sure. They all but have Safari, that. Yeah. Safari and Apple have been focusing on building those type of features into it. Yeah, just I'm curious how this how this fake news filter works. It's fake news. <laughs> yeah. It uh, it blocks like drugs. Is it gonna have it like, like, like a little orange guy? <laughs> yeah. If you go to if you go to a bad site. Yeah. So. Just have a little orange guy. Yeah. Or Cheeto Cheeto Man bouncing. Cheeto Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always I always whenever they do those caricatures, I think Oompa Loompa. But I don't want to because I love I love the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. Oh, you love them. Well, John, what's on your list for today? You got any content for us? Um, I do. Uh, we got a community thing I want to get to. Do uh, you, you mean a Stephen Noe thing? A, a Stephen with Noe. I, you know, and I, I appreciate any, any, any content we get, but 
somebody needs to give him a run for his money, you know? He is the most consistent. He's oh, our, he's without, our a doubt, without a doubt. He's our uh, topic email topic MVP right now. And it, and again, I mean, I, you know, we just we need um, we need some diversity. That's what we need, John. <laughs> In terms of just there, so other other people. Let's see. I got to get on Slack. So this, is, this, is a, this is just a call. Okay, this is a call to action. Is what this is called. It's a call to action. Yeah. So um, we need more people sending in questions and not again. I love Stephen Noe's stuff. And don't stop. But we need more from other people. So shoot us an email, info at gooddayserpodcast.com, with your questions and topics. It, uh, it helps the show. Gives us something to talk about. Something for you to listen to on your commute. We should come up with... Am I vamping long enough? We, we should come up with Good Day Sir MVPs. We, we have Stephen Noe for email. We have Brett for, for show titles. We have Chuck for open source and and anything related to that. We have we have Jody for for moderating yes. the community. Yeah, she's a thread uh, the thread police. Um, <laughs> the Slack police. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we should we should make that happen. I don't know what it means to be a good day sir MVP, but uh, we'll figure it out, I guess. Uh, well, we'll have to have votes, and and we'll have a secret ballot. And I get to count the votes just like Salesforce does. <laughs> Uh, so we do get to use his name, thankfully, because Jeremy used his name. Uh, so Steve with Noe says, uh, you've mentioned it multiple times on previous episodes and again on number 202. Can you believe we're at over 200? I know. Jesus. Well, yeah, we, we did have the 200 celebration, so I do believe it. Uh, Jeremy brought up how difficult Salesforce makes it to change user license counts, let alone the inability to downgrade additions. Given this, I was somewhat surprised to see add or reduce users to reflect your changing team in the spring 19 release notes. The catch is this only applies to the Essentials Edition, which is even below Professional Edition. Okay, you know why this is, right? Because it's not worth Salesforce paying anyone to talk on the phone with someone who's running Essentials. I mean, it's a way for them to keep, to compete with the smaller no, 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 CRM no, 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 news. You're missing the point. They're, Salesforce is not gonna pay one of their expensive AEs to talk on the phone to you to add, to add or remove one or two licenses of your already cheap Essentials Edition. Makes no sense. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it makes it easy to sign up. Yeah, if you and, want to upgrade your essentials to enterprise and some other things, yeah, you, then you've got to get on the phone. You can't just you can't go to your your payment profile section and right. adjust what you're doing. Well, I think it's a like good you can on every other cloud service. I think it's a good thing. It gives them a way to for for some of those smaller customers to sign up, start using it, uh, get to know it, get to want more from it. And want to start upgrading their licenses. Yeah. It also gives them a way to say we, for all these other CRMs that are trying to compete with them, who offer a credit card and and just do whatever you want with your licenses. It gives them a way to compete with them as well. So, I mean, I think it's a good strategy. I don't know. Is it, where, how, where does Essentials rank in, in with group? I mean, I even think professional is useless. They're just I mean, gate, these are, these it's are, a gateway drug, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're not, not even meant to be used. They're meant to frustrate you so then you then upgrade. I, I do think that Salesforce probably should allow some kind of dynamic way to modify things, but, I mean, we're talking about enterprise software that's built around contracts and service terms. And No, you, you're, and you're missing, you're missing the key point. Keep what? going, keep going. You're, maybe you'll get it. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. You were close. You're, you're well, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is it's not, it's not like you just sign up and agree to a new, fresh new terms, no. a contract. There's these are negotiated deals. These are. So you fizzled out. Let me, let me finish it off for you. Well, because okay, it's deferred revenue. If you yeah. don't sign a big long contract, Salesforce can't add you to the deferred revenue bucket, and that's what that's what their stock is trading on. Is well, there, were, there was two parts to my answer, and that was going to be the second part. It was the Salesforce side of things is they want to build a have you on contract for a certain number of years and they want they want to they want to make sure that you can nego I'm using air quotes here negotiate because you keep looking behind me I'm just I'm I'm loving all these looks we're getting from everyone walking to the door here <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad my back's to them because I'd, I'd probably get really insecure and start stuttering or something but um yeah I mean I mean Salesforce is the way they the way they present the numbers, the way they present their growth has a lot to do with the deferred revenue. It's about signing, getting companies to sign on multi-year contracts that, that demonstrates their growth and their stickiness and their value. Yeah. Versus, no, any, versus this hop swapping. Month, no, they don't want any month to month. Yeah. I mean, and they, and they don't want you to be able to, I mean, here's the problem. 
even if you did agree to like a year, I mean, they don't, there's a reason you can't reduce the number of licenses you have because they've already reported to the SEC <laughs> that they've got your money contracted. And it's contract, it's right? a contract. It's, it's, it's a contract. It says, yeah. this is the money we're going to get. Yes. That's exactly You've right. You've agreed to pay us and this we've money. we put that in our 10 Qs. So essentially, and we announced that to our giving someone the ability to downgrade their license is essentially giving them a free reign to modify the contract. This is why I wonder in general, like, is true cloud, because we've talked about, you know, I have that list of like tests, like the litmus test. Are you, are you actually cloud or not? I mean, is, is cloud compatible with public companies? It depends on your definition of cloud. Because, because, I don't know that the, well, the monetary... Like AWS does it, right? But they're not big on the deferred revenue. They don't, they don't have, they don't really trade on their deferred revenue like Salesforce does. I mean, listen to, listen to AW, listen to Amazon conference calls versus Salesforce conference calls. And you'll, on Salesforce conference calls, you'll hear de deferred revenue about 700 times on Amazon calls. I don't, you don't hear that. It's not that, it's not really a thing. Because there is no deferred revenue. Right. And it's a, and right. There's I mean, a, I mean, so why is it to some AWS, extent there is because you might, you why might. Why does AWS not need deferred revenue like Salesforce does? And, and by the way, AWS is, you know, already much larger, just AWS much larger than Salesforce and, and far more profitable. But they don't really have, to, they have some deferred revenue. Right. They have some deferred revenue because you they, can. They'll, they'll have tiers of. If you're really big, you yeah. can contract with AWS for, for pricing and whatever, you know, better pricing. But in general. Well, I mean, they have transaction tiers, but that's the point. They're, what do you mean by that? So CPU time, transactions, however they, however they charge you for the, for the CPU usage that you're using. You need to point the mic in. There you go. Thank you. Sorry. Yep. Uh, you get one I'm, beer I'm, in and like the microphone. to the bottom of my beer. microphone's in your lap. Well, I need a stand. <laughs> well, okay, you get the mic. Is, I'm going to be talking. It's, it's going to be pointing the other direction. Anyway, what do you mean by no? It's just, I mean, no. AWS at the end of the month looks at how much you use, how much just how much time you use on their computers, and they bill you for that. How much, yeah, but but how much, how much they charge you for that transaction is based on how many tiers of transactions that you do. So you can not really. Um, you, you don't you don't break into higher tiers. Now you can buy you can you can do things like you can buy um, what do they call it when you. You, you can contract, right? You can pre, you can pre-commit essentially. And I can't remember what they call it now because I don't, I don't ever do this. Um, but you can basically pre-buy, like pre-commit to a certain amount of buy, and then you do get a lower rate. That's but, what I mean. But other than that, most people don't do that. I mean, that, that's a that's a minority of the of the usage. Most of us just use whatever you want. As much right. you scale up, scale down, whatever you want to do, whatever your business needs. Yeah, we're at the end of the month, they'll just you just get billed. We're trying to say the same thing. Okay, it's just that when it comes to deferred revenue, that's their into your mouth. There you go. <laughs> that's their version of deferred revenue. Is is that particular concept? But it's not really deferred revenue. It's just a discount on volume. It's only. I mean, they yeah, it's not really because it's, their their business model is they. You you kind of you're kind of trading something for something at a granular level. It's like I like you're Money. buying a, a slice of pizza from me, and I'm giving you a pizza, and you pay me a dollar for every slice of pizza That's you just want. called buying stuff, John. Well, I'm just saying. Well, I got, I'm not following your point. Salesforce is on a subscription model. You're yes. not paying for usage. You're paying for the perceived value of the entire you're paying platform. For, you're paying for a name named users who may or may not ever log in to your system. You're not. Pay it has very little bearing to actual usage of any of Salesforce's resources. Right. Yeah. Be because your, your license count doesn't translate to... It's not like you pay... Like, if your users used, you know, 100 CPU cycles in one month, that's what you pay for. Yeah. No, you pay for the entire yeah. perceived value right. and the collective amount of data that's stored there and everything else for the system. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird how, I guess my point is, it's weird how their models are so different. Like Salesforce's model is so different right. than these other cloud providers. Yeah, and I'm not trying to argue that one is better than the other. I'm just saying they're completely or, two different models. I think maybe what we're talking about is SaaS versus like infrastructure and, and platform. I mean, Salesforce is SaaS, right? It's software as a service. That's what you're buying. You're, you're licensing named users for a software as a service. You're not really buying like you're not buying like low-level compute and stuff. But, I mean, you kind of. But can. Amazon kind of falls into the SaaS category in certain things. I mean, and give me an example. Well, there, there's certain like lambdas and things like that. You features that you can purchase and use, but you're not charged for using that feature. You're charged for the CPU time. But that's not. No one would call that SaaS though. That's not SaaS. Is Salesforce off? Like Salesforce, Salesforce is SaaS, would find um, a way to call it SaaS. 
is what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think so. I've it's never, just the way you package it up. No. Why not? Because SaaS is, is when you're buying software, like end-user software. But AWS is software. No, it's is not end-user software. A feature, People, a function that allows... No, no, the, Lambda is a is an architectural tool that you can build applications on. Okay, so there's database services, there's app, there's there's uh, AI services, there's uh, single sign-on services. That's software. That's not hardware-specific stuff. Right, no. That's software. Right. And is. you could technically put it under umbrella of SaaS. If you I wanted to monetize it that Yoga, way. You can call it whatever you want. I'm saying that's not SaaS. No one calls that SaaS. Like HubSpot is so, SaaS. So Gmail AWS is SaaS. considers it the true cloud. Office, Office, Salesforce Office considers itself the true cloud. Is SaaS. They're all just Salesforce words. Is SaaS. They're oh, okay. all just words. All right, so we've devolved into everything's words and nothing means anything, and John can call it whatever the heck he wants. Okay, no. all right, here we go. No, I'm just this saying. This is a classic episode of Good Day Sir Podcast. <laughs> a meaningless episode. They're just, they're just words, conversation. They're just words. Okay, all right. It's all in how you package right. those words and call it what you want to call okay. it. I'm ordering dinner. You're ordering dinner. Yep. Literally. Did I piss you off? No, I'm just it's like it defaults into nothing. I mean, you, we can't even, can't even, we can't no, even agree I, that Salesforce is SaaS and AWS is infrastructure. No, I, I it's IS versus SaaS. No, if, we I, can, if we can't agree on that, then we can't have a conversation. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I'm okay. just saying the way they package their their business models, it really just is is a, it's arbitrary. Okay. Salesforce technically could switch to being infrastructure and saying. We give you this software, it has all these features, but you're paying for the, the compute time. They could do that. Right, but, but they wouldn't have deferred revenue. But they wouldn't have deferred revenue. Right. That's, all the, that's the only point I'm trying to make, yeah. is that it just depends on your business model and how you package and sell that. Yeah, and no one, no one would contract three years, I mean one year, more or less three years for infrastructure. Right? True. Like pre-commit or whatever. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's smart. I mean, it's they've again they, they've made a bunch of billionaires out of a company that doesn't make any money because of deferred revenue. That's I mean that's amazing. But you know you could say Amazon did too though. Amazon, I mean, Amazon doesn't make ma money. Well, they they do actually, and especially particularly AWS makes a lot of money. AWS makes money. Um, that's about it. Well, and Amazon well, makes Amazon money. Amazon makes, makes money. But anyway, yeah. I mean Amazon made a bunch of billionaires before they made any money. Well, Bezos is about to this, this he, he either has or is about to lose half his billions. Oh God, that's true. And I wonder how that. I actually, you know, I wonder how that. I, I wondered how that works. Like, so Bezos gets divorced. Yeah. I mean, almost all his wealth, just like Benioff, is tied up in his company stock. So I wonder if he can just does he have to sell the stock and then like write a check. Or do they just split the stock? Like, hey, I'm just, I'll just uh, give you half of my stock, maybe. Maybe that's the way it could work. I don't know. I'm sure the, I, I the lawyers will figure it out. It, it's a negotiating thing. I, yeah. I think technically she would inherit half the stock, but they could they could negotiate she terms. She inherited. No one died. He has. I'm to, sorry. They not, have to. He she could get half of his stock yeah. and be and worth that, or they they might be able to negotiate a cash settlement where she gets paid. But we're already defaulting the fact that it's his stock and he has to give some to her now. No, it's they collectively both own it. So how do you split that True. thing? Yeah, it's like if you yeah. it's like if your biggest asset in a marriage is a house and then you get divorced. Like, but you cut the house in half. No, it's, you have to sell it. Right. Or someone has to write the other person a big check. Right. Whoever keeps the house. Right. Which happens all the time. It does. Yeah. But a house is different than a you know four hundred billion dollar company or however big Amazon is. It's it's not any different. It just hurts more. <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> I would. I have no idea. What, so what was Especially if he's in the wrong. How I don't even know in, what how happened. Get into this. What was our topic here, John? What was this? Oh, the, it was the, it was uh, it was Stephen Noe. <laughs> Stephen with Noe. Uh, his uh, topic on the fact that essentials you can uh, oh. reduce your users. Well, see, and just look, listener, you could write in an email and cause us to go on the most ridiculous rat hole. Known to man. Or cause an argument. Yeah, exactly. Or cause an argument. Yeah. This is very, Jeremy, this is Jeremy very Jeremy awkward right now. The podcast. This is awkward right now. Uh, that's, no. Uh, hey, I've, I've, uh, I've almost quit before. This isn't the first time. So I got an interesting email on one of my uh, known issues in Salesforce. You have a known issue that you, you logged, you registered it? No, it's a known issue that I said I'm also having this problem. Oh, okay. You voted for it. Uh, this one is for the force input field, and it's not rendering fields on UI when being used inside of an Aura iteration tag. Um, so obviously I signed on and said, yep, I'm having that problem too. Yep. So we got some feedback. 
Guess what it is? What? No fix. Yeah. And pretty. I think it's only assigned assigned things to come. This is why you need to start moving to Lightning Web Components because they're essentially going to stop supporting Aura. So they so they they lit a fire under your butt to move you to Lightning. Yep. And that's already done. That's, that's already done. history. Yeah. There, there's going to be no more advancement or no more bug fixes or anything to Lightning. It's all moving to Lightning Web Components. And we're going to see more of this type of stuff. And I can't wait for Trailhead DX, Helltrailhead X, whatever it's called, and Dreamforce, where we're going to start hearing more about Lightning Web Components and how we should be using them and moving away from Lightning. Yeah, and they'll, you know... They'll, they'll, they'll douse you with how amazing Web Components is, and they'll show you a bunch of amazing demos, and it'll make your boss excited and your clients excited, and everyone will forget about all this other stuff. Which is so I've been, I, I've been on the outskirts of it trying to understand it and trying to... But what I'm seeing is there's a lot more JavaScript files than I expected to see. <laughs> a lot more JavaScript files? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, I mean, just on the playground. So you can go to the component website and you can click on the tab for playground. You can see the examples of the components. So you have like the HTML, you have a, the JavaScript files. And it looks like there's a lot more JavaScript files to deal with. Or maybe that's just the way they constructed it. I don't know. I was looking at... Um a, a relatively small app that I, that I built, JavaScript app, n n you know, Node, right? Mm. And I will tell you that even a relatively small, like, Vue or React app, and any of these, you know, kind of a modern thing where it's built on Node and the whole NPM packaging system, I mean, you're looking at, for a small thing, thousands, thousands of JavaScript modules, JavaScript files. For something that, small. And that's okay as long as we have a good way of organizing it. Which I, I guess with... You don't want to organize it. You, you, want it, you just want to not know about it. And, and the problem is that works for a while until something doesn't work and you got to go digging under the hood and then like you open up that node modules folder and it's got 8,000 different packages in it. And you're like, oh my God, you know. I mean, I don't know. You should, you should be managing that anyway, like looking at all, how many transitive dependencies you have because that affects like your build, your like your... Your, I guess your build size and all that stuff, but yeah, but at some point you kind of concede ownership of that to someone else. It just gets back to this weird how npm is such a weird ecosystem. I mean, there's like there are there's got to be orders of magnitude more packages than even like what like Maven Central and, and things that have ex existed for even longer have. It's just such a weird such a weird environment. Yeah, and also like I mean, so many things depend on all these itty bitty packages, and like who knows. Who has the the what it's called like the commit rights or whatever to these packages? Right. Because there's been examples when, you know, if you if you somehow get can get access to like up, upload a new version of some really common thing that like splits a string, like that affect that's going to affect like tens of thousands of applications out there. Yeah. And it's you know there's been some somewhat famous examples of how that's gone bad, but I mean I think the stuff has not really hit the fan yet with this whole JavaScript ecosystem. Something's going to happen that's going to be big time. Yeah. It's just... Well, this is coming from the guy who's ab advocating for packages in Apex, but who am I? Well, even... <laughs> and you just illustrated the fact that the, what I described in the no, this node system is still orders of magnitude better than what's in Apex, which is massive spaghetti copy and paste. But I think I think in the same fashion, Apex and JavaScript suffer from the same problem. There's no real namespacing. There's scope, but there's no namespacing. So you kind of do like with JavaScript modules. I mean, they basically are namespaces. Like, yeah, they're isolated. Like you can't you can't muck around in other people's stuff. And and when you're writing a JavaScript module, you don't have to worry about trampling on someone else's namespace or like naming your class the same one as or your function or anything is name same as someone else's. It's. I'm not saying it's a beautiful system. Right. It's not. It's JavaScript. It's <laughs> one of the worst monstrosities of computer science, I think, in the history of computer science. But it still works better than Apex. Because at least it does solve those problems. may not be a beautiful way. may not be the way that, like, if JavaScript hadn't been designed over a weekend, or what was it, two weeks or whatever, took them to write JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, John. Let's do a time check here. What does that say? Can you even see that? I can't see it. How do you turn the light on? I'm, I'm afraid to even touch a button on this thing. Where's my phone? I, don't know, I think we're about an hour in. Anyway, let's see. Uh, what did I have? 
I did. Um, I wanted to for for the Mac users out there. I had a tip of the day. Oh, John's. What are you, what are you doing here, John? Trying to get your phone to work. Can I tell you I hate Face ID with a passion? I, I love it. I can't stand it. It works great for me. I have to be staring directly at it. Uh, so and when, I, when I just want to open it and I'm not looking at it, which, I can't. Which phone do you have? The X. That's what I have too. The, the 10. 10. No, you've got the 10S or something. Oh, yeah. So or the I can be in pitch dark. XR It's like six feet away and it works for fine. No, like not for great. me. Yeah, you need to upgrade. All I want to do is get a flashlight so I can see what the time is. I don't know where the time is at. 51, 51. minutes. Yeah. Okay. I did have a tip of the day. Because, you know, we do, that's for our tip of the day segment. Which I we do, do enjoy all your time. tips. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is a, you can just Google this probably. If you're, so if you're on a Mac, um, Quick Look plugins, maybe. Or probably, I don't know, we'll put it in the show notes. But it's basically a list of like a bunch of useful Quick Look, because, you know, Quick Look has plugins. Mm-hmm. And so there's like quick look for here's let's see it's like uh, color code for example so like any programming code like it uses whatever the popular open source thing is that knows how to colorize different languages yeah it will automatically apply that you know, you're in Finder you hit spacebar on some on a CS file or a JS file or an ape or whatever and it automatically colorizes it, colorizes it there's stuff that'll uh, in Markdown so it actually shows you the formatted version, not just the text or whatever. There, it's got uh, JSON. There's what, there's like, so be, the better zip for the Mac, it has a quick look, or someone wrote a quick look plugin for it, so like, huh. if you quick look a zip file, it'll show you like the contents of it. Um, anyway, yeah, just, uh, this is a, it's on GitHub. Just Google quick look plugins. That'll That's pretty up. cool. Yeah. I do, I, I do use quick look a lot, mainly because whenever I use my launcher program, which is Alfred, do you, what, do you, what do you use? You still use, um, I'm just I'm on spot. I'm, I'm on raw spotlight. spotlight now. So it has to be spotlight for these plugins. So no, 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 no. Just it's quick. It's look. just all quick look. Yeah, it's quick okay. Look. Well, cool. You know, what quick look is right. No, I do. Okay. I know they're two different things, but I'm just wondering if it has to be a spotlight launch of the quick look. Oh no, I don't think so. Okay. So I'm just got tired of like hitting spacebar on what is basically a text file and it and it not showing me the content. Yeah. And then, so I went googling around and sure enough, like there's all these plugins. I already had a couple of these installed, but a lot of them I didn't know about. So well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll have to look at that. What else, John? I'm done. You're that's done. All I so got. You had one topic. Well, I, I, I've been busy. <laughs> um, so it's what's the date today? It's it's January 25th. 25th. And speaking of Salesforce licenses, this is you have a couple of days, couple of days left. This is the best time of the year. If you want, if you want to add some Salesforce features or upgrade some licenses or whatever, you can get the best deals ever right now. Yeah, because we're on the cusp of entering the or ending right their fiscal year. So yeah, before before uh, yeah, up up until January thirty first, talk to your AE. Yeah, they'll probably cut you a good deal. Tell him I sent you. No, don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> tell him John, John sent you. <laughs> That's fine. No one knows me. Yeah. <laughs> they know um, you. So I thought this was an apropos since uh, Benioff is all about the, the Davo nowadays, but the, the super rich at Davo are scared of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's proposal to hike taxes on the wealthy. Why are they scared? So this is a super American thing, so I apologize to our non-American listeners, but... Um, so she's she's a new congresswoman, newly uh, minted, and she's proposing like a seventy percent tax rate on everything of more than like a million or ten million or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the billionaires are <laughs> very concerned about this. I don't see why. It would have to be taxed on earned income, and most of them don't earn income that way. They they get capital gains income. Maybe it's on uh, just like Benioff. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not on Benioff. Maybe it's not on earned income. Maybe it's on in, increased wealth. So increased just like net, if you have worth. five billion on your on your in your bank account, at the end of the year you got to pay a tax. So every way every a year you chip, you chip you chip away at yeah, it with a wealth tax. tax. Sure, Ooh. sure, yeah. Ooh, no yeah. wonder they're scared. <laughs> exactly. This is um, another headline that was funny. So it was. This is in CNBC, but it's, it, uh, it was, you know, Benioff, of course, he likes to give these talks to get in the news during, during Davo, right? But he says, um, San Francisco is a train wreck of inequality because of Silicon Valley. But if you read this, 
this, the actual URL to this article. It's like, you know, cnbc.com slash San Francisco inequality because of Silicon Valley Salesforce CEO. <laughs> and I was like, uh, huh, that's ironic. Maybe there's a little truth in that. <laughs> there's a new song on my playlist some, where the chorus is something bad. I'll always remember San Francisco and I, I can't listen to that song. Yeah. That ruined it for you? Yeah. Um, Salesforce. Especially since Benioff himself has, hasn't been very positive on on uh, San Francisco's homeless problem right now. He's I mean, having, he, he's he, having he got, to admit some harsh realities that's really? going I mean, on I there. Know. I don't think so. He got his Prop C done. That was his big accomplishment, you know? Yeah, well, it wasn't an overnight fix for sure. No, it's still it's still a problem. I mean, it probably won't fix anything. That's what, that's what the people that were against it were arguing. It's like, it's, we've thrown lots of money at this before and it did nothing, so... And this is... This, make, this is... Even, I mean, the argument that they were making was, and I don't fully understand this, but like, this is giving even, even more money in a less accountable way. So, it's working. You don't, you don't understand. It is. I don't know. You don't understand. He's preventing future kids from being homeless because their parents who are getting money from this are able to send them to good colleges, so they don't end up homeless. Yeah. See? Okay. Um, so Salesforce is op- open sourcing um, some of the AI technology behind Einstein. Did you see this? No. But Salesforce is, is over the, I would say over the past you know, three or four years has really stepped up their open source contribution efforts. I mean, they're like number 35 on the list now, which is uh, pretty good. And and I don't know if this is bad reporting or if this is true or what, but I'm just going to quote from, from the article here. So it's, it's what they release is it's branded Transmogrify with the last letters being AI. Transmogrify, okay. And it's an auto ML library, and it's less than 10 lines of Scala code written on top of Apache Spark. <laughs> now, I don't know if they actually open source something that's less than 10, 10 lines of code, or if this is just bad a bad article, but I found it amusing regardless. Open source is open source, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to open source your uh, Hello World, I guess, right? <laughs> it's probably under 10 lines, right? Yeah. Unless it's Java, then it's like 50 plus, lines for open source. Plus, we know line counts as BS. <laughs> I could put I could put a killer function I know, I know, but, in one line, but less than ten lines. That goes like maybe a million columns long, but yeah. still. Or what was it back in the day, the two thousands, when a bunch of programmers were paid to fix year oh, two thousand oh, yeah. bugs? Oh, that, and was were, a, that was one of the biggest scams they, ever. They were wasn't paid it? by by line of code that they touched, and so they really? just they oh. yeah they yeah. they would add a lot of lines. Change, change the line endings or the 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 spacing on every line of the system. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's how we got this whole paradigm of brackets have their own line in the code. Yes. Instead of, oh, yeah. I hate that, by the way. <laughs> uh, don't do that. I do it. All right, John. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm ready to go home and get dinner. Yeah, me Any, too. Anything else on your mind? Dinner is on my mind. Dinner's on your mind? Maybe another beer. I could probably get another beer in before I leave. Well, maybe you and I will have a post-show beer yeah. while we get this posted. And, uh, well, hopefully this turns out. I mean, look, I don't know. It's very loud in here, but maybe these, maybe it's not too bad. Maybe this could be a lost episode. One, of my, one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> is, um, is recorded always in bars, loud bars. And it turns out pretty well. Now they do, they bring their whole, they got a big mixer and they've got like, I think they use, I think they use Heil PR40s, which is the one you use. That's what I have, yeah. Um, it turns out pretty good. I mean, we, we talked about turning our rig into a mobile rig. Mainly because we weren't sure if we we're going to have a studio anymore, but we've had the studio. I mean, I still but maybe we should still the mixer that. that we used to use that I used to have. I yeah. still have that one, but it's too big. I could want to get one of these like little small mixers. Plus, we need to upgrade our mixer because it's running on Firewire and it's a pain in the ass to double dongle that thing. No, no, I wouldn't bring that. I'm talking about an actual mixer with knobs, physical knobs that you can use to live, live produce it. Oh, okay. With an, with an attached soundboard, so you can actually do your soundboard stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you can still do soundboard now. But I'm saying it would be like you almost. I feel like it, when you're in a situation like this, you need to be able to live mix. Yeah. So, which also means you have to be able, you have to be monitoring. No, we need we need we need a, a mixer with Einstein built in, so it'll it'll do everything for us. That'd be great. Yeah. We just plug in and go. Should be able to do that, right? Yeah. All right. Well, John. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to reiterate that. Uh, People should be sending us emails. We need more emails. Info at goodacerpodcast.com if you got a question or uh, feedback or show information. We have a Slack, which is uh, just grows by the day. A lot of lot of good uh, information and comic relief and what have you in there. And that's at uh, goodacerpodcast.com. You click on community and just put in your email address and you can get added to our Slack that way. What else? 
please leave, us, us, please leave us a review. Like us on the socials. Yep. Share us with your friends and your enemies. We'll, we'll take both. And send us beer. That would be nice, actually. <laughs> it was a joke, but Jeremy... I, it, yeah, it's, it's it wasn't a joke to me. All right, John. <laughs> I'm going to get another beer. I am, too. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.